0: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On our previous episode, we promised the second half of our interview with FBI Washington Field Office Assistant Director in Charge, Nancy McNamara. But due to a quickly developing story, we need to change topics. The second half of the McNamara interview will be presented in the next few weeks. In the meantime, On December 28th, 2018, Paul Whelan, a former U.S. Marine and citizen of the U.S., disappeared in Russia. Three days later, he turned up in a Russian prison, arrested for allegedly committing espionage. What was he doing there? What was the basis for the charges? Is he a pawn in a political tug of war between the U.S. and Russia?
1: Nobody wants to see a citizen locked up in this way, you know, we're, we're 10 days past the, the fact that he was uh, allegedly a spy. We have no charges uh, officially from the, the Russian government that detail exactly what that means, uh, you know, which elements of the espionage act are they talking about. And and, and so that it's all very concerning from the, the, the lack of information.
0: In an extensive interview, Target USA spoke with Whelan's twin brother, David, and got answers to all these questions. Some of them may surprise you. But after you listen, there will be no doubt just how serious this situation is. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm JJ Green. This program, as you know, is called Target USA. And as we always say, whether it's terrorist, anarchist, cyber criminals, or nation states, America has a target on its back and we investigate the threats facing the U.S., the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and their impact on Americans. Unfortunately, U.S. citizens are often targeted by foreign actors just because they are Americans. That appears to be what happened in the case of Paul Whelan. He went to Moscow from his home in Michigan in late December and hasn't returned yet because he's in one of the nastiest prisons on the planet, known for cold showers, intense interrogations, and extreme isolation, a staple of the Cold War and the KGB. He's charged with espionage, something his family and the US government says is ridiculous. The way it all happened could easily be, and I'm willing to bet eventually will become, the storyline for a blockbuster spy movie. So, in order to get the answers about what happened, we went to the best source we could find, his twin brother, David. Thank you again, David, for joining us. And for the benefit of our listeners, who may not be familiar with all of the details of the story your brother Paul uh, is involved in now, he was traveling in Russia in December. And on the 28th of December, I understand, something odd happened. Catch us up on what he was doing there and what took place on the 28th, which you're still dealing with now, January 9th, 2019. What took place at that time?
1: Uh, On uh, December 22nd, Paul flew into Moscow. He was uh, visiting to participate in a wedding. An American friend of his, a former Marine uh, like Paul, was having a wedding ceremony there and had brought over his American family and had asked Paul to attend the wedding as well, since Paul had been to Russia a few times in the past, uh, and to help. Guide the Americans around um, the sites and to, you know sort of help help them to navigate Moscow. So he was in the city. Uh, he was doing some sightseeing. He was visiting with some friends and uh, participating in this uh, wedding party. And then uh, on the 28th, after having participated that morning in a tour of the Kremlin and armory with the people who are attending the wedding, uh, he he just disappeared. Uh, he didn't attend the wedding, which occurred that night and the groom uh, attempted to contact him after the wedding was over. And uh, there was no response from him, which is extremely uncharacteristic. So the groom reached out to us over the weekend, let us uh, know that he, n- nobody had seen him or heard from him uh, since that Friday. And so uh, we started looking to find out what information we could. And on Monday morning, on the 28th, uh, we found, uh, I mean, on the 31st, I found uh, that he had been detained. I found a Russian ministry statement saying that Paul Whelan had been detained for espionage. And it's now been, uh, I guess, uh, almost 10 days since he was detained. Yeah. And uh, uh, about a week since we uh, were able to make contact with him uh, at Laforteva prison.
0: Yeah. So now um, you learned about the fact that he was missing from his friend and you learned about the Russian arrest uh, from the Russian statement. Uh, How, again, did you come into that statement? How did you find that statement?
1: I'm a law librarian. So I got up first thing in the morning and I got on the internet and started searching for things like American killed in Moscow, uh, American car crash, Moscow, that sort of thing. And, uh, uh, eventually came across, um, uh, uh, the, the news wires that were reporting that he had been detained.
0: What'd you feel when you saw that?
1: Um, uh, mixed emotions, frankly, uh, we were glad, uh, I was glad and I uh, immediately, uh, c- contacted the rest of my family that he was alive, uh, as far as we could tell. Um, So that was a positive thing. But uh, then immediately you're hit with the, uh, I guess, horror is the best word, that um, some member of your family has been detained in Russia on charges that are obviously very serious.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the story about his arrest, allegedly being in a hotel room with somebody, uh, he was charged with espionage and supposedly was in that hotel room with somebody and, and came into possession, to the possession of a a USB stick with classified information regarding people who are or were a part of the Russian intelligence or military services. Do you believe that story? Uh,
1: do I believe that he was uh, in the possession of it? Um, I, I, I could see how that might happen. Um, do I believe he was probably entrapped into uh, having that in his possession? I think that's much more likely. I don't think Paul would uh, have been the sort of person who would have risked uh, um, espionage or spying in russia even the experts are very careful about that sort of thing and paul paul isn't a spy he's a tourist and so um even though he's risk aware from his background in law enforcement and and the military uh i don't think that he would have uh willing or knowingly accepted any sort of information that would have uh caused him to break a law like the espionage act
0: why do you think he he was essentially railroaded this way then
1: you know what i've been scratching my head and uh Uh, We've been surprised by some of the information that's come out about Paul's background. We didn't know about his uh, bad conduct discharge from the Marines, for example. Um, and, and, and yet each time a rock is turned over and we learn something new, I saw that the, uh, the Russian media appears to be looking at his, uh, interest in, uh, tea glass holders from the trains. And apparently he had a collection of those. Um, Mm -hmm. you just find something that sounds more and more uh, incredible that, you know, whoever this person is, uh, and I know him as my brother, uh, brother, but obviously there's a lot I don't know about him. Um, he's, he's not a spy.
0: Mm -hmm. In terms of his travel to Russia, there seems to be some, uh, concern on your part uh, in terms of what's being reported about it. Uh, You know, there uh, have been reports that he traveled extensively in Russia. But if I remember correctly, I think you uh, said in a correspondence uh, a couple of days ago, today being the 9th of January 2019, that to your knowledge, he's only been there two or three times.
1: Yes. In fact, we've been able to find a couple more times, but I think it's only still uh, five or six that we've been able to confirm. Uh, and and we're still looking to see in case he had been there more often. But for me, that's not many or significant when you consider that over the last 30 years, he's traveled extensively uh, to many, many different countries uh, to uh, within Europe, to our relatives in uh, the UK. Uh, he's been to India. He's been to, uh, I believe he's been to Japan. I know he's been to Korea. So, I mean, he's, he's really traveled very extensively. And so uh, the the focus on his Russian trips and, and portraying him as some sort of uh, Russophile just seems uh, very different from the, per- the the person I knew or even based on the, the activities that he was doing that I would have considered uh, labeling him. You
0: know, yeah, there's a lot that confirms and corroborates what you're saying about your brother, including this uh, development the other day where we learned that he had several different passports, uh, a, a U.S. passport, a British passport. A Canadian passport and Irish. uh, And, you know, some have tried to, you know, some people not very well educated about spying have tried to weave that into this idea that he might uh, have had those passports for those reasons. But the story is very different, isn't it?
1: It is. I I think if he had four passports under four different names and had sort of secreted them in some sort of case, I guess maybe that would be sort of Jason Bourne spying. But Paul and I were born in Canada to British parents, and so we were born with two passports and two citizenships. Uh, My parents had emigrated from Britain, and my dad's dad had emigrated from Ireland to Britain. So when Paul emigrated to America, he was able to naturalize. Uh, He wanted to do that in order to be – to – uh, work in law enforcement, um, he, he naturalized, and he, so he got his third citizenship that way. Uh, and then when the Irish changed a law that allowed grandchildren to get an Irish passport, he just thought it would be, I think, a way to honor his heritage. Um, but th- there's, it's all in his own name. He hasn't done anything uh, peculiar except uh, perhaps uh, to people who only have maybe one passport or, or maybe only two. Uh, it, it, to have four maybe seems strange.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, David, that you mentioned this because I think I saw somewhere that he and your sister have sort of a friendly competition regarding passports. Is that true?
1: Uh, no, I don't think that that's accurate. I've seen the same thing. I think the uh, the word game was used, and I think that uh, that's not the that's not what we meant by it, or not what my siblings meant by it. I think when the law was changed, mm-hmm. it was much more of a, which one of us could get one first between the two of them. But it wasn't that they were trying to get additional passports beyond the four that they were legally allowed to attain. Uh, and I never looked to, to get one myself, and I'm not sure that my, brother, my other brother did. So I think it's one of those things that, you know, it's just a word out of context. Uh, we didn't mean to uh, have uh, Paul's interest or, frankly, my sister's mm-hmm. interest in citizenship to sound flippant or that it was uh, not a value, valuable thing.
0: David, you know, I can imagine your parents are probably going through it right now. Um, If if you don't mind me asking uh, just for a little bit of context on how they're doing.
1: I, I think they're doing amazingly well. Uh, we seem to, for whatever reason, be a resilient family. I mean, unfortunately, this morning I had a, a contact from a reporter who said we've heard that uh, police are executing search warrants. And and uh, normally you would just say that's completely ludicrous. But now I've got to call my parents and ask them, you know, is this happening? Uh, and it isn't. But uh, you just so you're in that sort of thing where you're trying to protect them as much as you can from the the stories and the rumors and the speculation uh, and also the frank uncovering of information about their son's life that they didn't know either. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, While at the same time doing your best to to help Paul and to get him back uh, back to the USA.
0: Okay, now back to Paul. What's your sense of how he's doing?
1: Uh, The embassy has had one visit with him. That's all they've been allowed so far, uh, the American embassy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sounds like he's as well as he could be uh, considering that he's in in detention. I think uh, um, they've had a medical check uh, on him um, just to confirm what his uh, medical condition is. uh, And we were able to receive information and instructions from him from that first meeting. And that was when he uh, requested consular access from these other three countries.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, I spoke yesterday and today with the Canadians and the British, and they say that they have um, um, expressed interest and are in the process of trying to schedule consular visits with with him. But, you know, interestingly, David, the word they both used or the words they both used were very concerned, quote, very concerned about your brother. Um, what, to your knowledge, would be the reason to be very concerned? Is it because of this? Obviously, you know there is a reason to be concerned because he's he was arrested for something that you believe he didn't do. But is there any reason to believe that that his life or his health might be in in jeopardy?
1: I don't think there's a a concrete reason for it. I'm not saying that. Uh, I, I don't want to to suggest that. We aren't concerned. We are concerned. And I think really the, the reason is not that we, we think that, that there's a particular reason that it could happen, but it, that we have no details about why he's in there. And so it, the arbitrariness, I think, is is why we're all very, very concerned about Paul's condition. It's not uh, it's not that we know that he is under a particular risk, that he, but that he's just under a completely arbitrary risk. We don't know where uh, whatever um, – uh, Uh, Threat is not quite the word I mean, but whatever um, uh, issue he's under or whatever cloud he's under, where that's where that's coming from. And I think that's the the problem is that, you know, expand this past Paul, who is obviously some uh, rather odd duck is is what I've seen him described as to any American who's traveling to Russia or any British person or Canadian uh, or Irish uh, citizen. um, Nobody wants to see a citizen. Locked up in this way, you know, we're we're ten days past the the fact that he was alleged uh, allegedly a spy. We have no charges uh, officially from the the Russian government that detail exactly what that means. Uh, you know, which elements of the espionage act are they talking about? Uh, and and so that it's all very concerning from the the, the lack of information.
0: That's David Whelan. His brother Paul is in Russian custody. No formal charges have been filed, but Russian authorities claim he's a U.S. spy. David says he thinks it's likely his brother was entrapped and that he's scratching his head about much of what he's heard about the case. When we come back, we'll discuss the place his brother is being held, which is one of the toughest prisons on the planet, and some of the bizarre things taking place behind the scenes. including. Him ending up with a Russian speaking lawyer.
1: I think what's strange about it is that Paul was in LaForteva and uh, didn't have his eyeglasses when the American Embassy staff met with him. And so they were able to translate a request so that Paul could have his glasses. Uh, And yet Mr. Uh, Zhirabienkov doesn't speak English. And so Hmm. it would just seem to be a very strange choice for someone to hire a lawyer who doesn't speak his own language.
0: That's coming up when we return to Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Imagine the home you've always known sinking into oblivion. We want to save a community, uh, uh, a way of life. A Virginia island, population 460, is being swallowed by the Chesapeake Bay.
1: The first full-fledged town that's probably going to get lost to sea level rise in America.
0: Can disaster be stopped? Should it be? Shall the Lord destroy Tangier? Going Under, the story of Tangier Island, available on Podcast One iTunes, and at goingunderpodcast.com. This is a Target USA moment. Episode one, the show that started it all. Almost every morning here in Washington, the director of national intelligence goes to the White House to brief the president about the threats and the challenges the U.S. is facing. It's called the president's daily briefing. And Clapper gave us a look at his office at how he gets prepared to do that. Get up at 5, 5.30 and start right away reading the news clips and that sort of thing, get in the car. Protective detail brings me in and I start reading the uh, iPad that we have for President's Daily Brief. And Clapper, who's been gathering intelligence for more than a half century says what he's seeing now is not good. In the 50-plus years, I don't know of a time when we've been beset by a more diverse array of challenges and crises uh, around the world. Uh, Sometimes it almost makes you long for the halcyon days of the Cold War and uh, a single, all-consuming adversary, the Soviet Union, which we came to understand pretty well. This has been a Target USA moment, episode number one. Download it. Relive it. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. On this episode, we've been talking with David Whalen, His twin brother, Paul, a former U.S. Marine, disappeared in Russia on December 28th. And he's been telling us how this simply doesn't add up, that his brother is not a spy, and their efforts to get him back home. Now we continue our story with him telling us about where his brother is being held, and the possibilities for him being released. One of the things that we've we've heard as well um, is is that um, he is in the Fortova prison. What do you know about that prison?
1: Uh, I just know what everybody else knows. Uh, by reputation, it's uh, it appears to be a, a a very nasty place to be. Um, uh, I don't know that I would mm-hmm. wish it on my enemy, let alone on my brother.
0: Right. Well, early. so you mentioned some time ago that there might be a chance for your brother to get out of prison on bail. Have you heard anything about that?
1: No, I've just seen the accounts that were in the press uh, that uh, his lawyer has filed motions on his behalf and that apparently a bail motion is part of that. Uh, but I'm not sure how that would work. And uh, Uh, Considering that we have no information, uh, you know, that the deputy foreign minister appears to have said that there are no charges being laid yet. Uh, I I, I guess I don't have high hopes that even if a bail was considered, that they would grant it uh, because they don't seem to be interested in having any communication about his case.
0: Yeah. And speaking of communication first with your lawyer, it's my understanding based on some communications from you, you've had a bit of difficulty communicating with his lawyer.
1: Well, it was a strange situation. and and I think that some of the things I've said about Mr. Jerubin Biankov uh, have been misinterpreted. i don't i'm not I don't know anything about his competence or his ability as a lawyer, so uh, I'm leaving that aside. Uh, it, it, we had understood when we we were in a seventy two hour window between when we learned that he had been detained on that Monday. And the Wednesday when the American embassy was able to go and see him. And so during that time, we did what we could to understand what the process would be. And the process we understood was that the embassy would proffer a list of recommended, uh, not recommended, I'm sorry, proffer a list of English speaking lawyers to Paul, and that he could then select from that list or make a request to us to help him to to find counsel. And so we were surprised when... Uh, The uh, uh, American staff got there and Paul had essentially already selected somebody. Uh, It just seemed very it was unusual. It was not how we expected the process uh, to, to work.
0: Why do you think he did that?
1: Um, well, I'm still not 100% sure that Paul did select him, uh, at least you know, in, in the way that we were expect. Again, I don't have any details about that. I think what's strange about it is that Paul was in La Forteva and uh, didn't have his eyeglasses when the American embassy staff met with him. And so they were able to translate a request so that Paul could have his glasses. Uh, and yet Mr. Shereb-Bienkov uh, d- uh, doesn't speak English. And so hmm. it would just seem to be a very strange choice for someone to hire a lawyer who doesn't speak his own language.
0: Do you get the sense that that lawyer was appointed?
1: Uh, I don't really have any details either way. It's uh, it's just it's just one of the many many odd things that yeah. have come up in this case.
0: What else odd is in that case that you uh, have have come across?
1: Well, I, I think just the idea of someone like Paul, who lives, uh, I think, so openly on social media and uh, who travels so extensively, uh, that he would be selected as someone who could potentially be a spy.
0: Yeah. Um, the other part of the communications piece, um, there there there's been some discussion about the fact or the possibility that he might actually be a pawn. Do you agree with that idea?
1: You know, it's hard to know. Uh, I saw um, the Kremlin spokesman, uh, I think his name was Mr. Peskov, uh, speak today or yesterday about how the Russians don't use pawns, and I've seen the uh, the discussion in the press about how he is a pawn, and, you know, it, it, it's really hard to know. Uh, with uh, Maria Butina's case happening so recently, with the arrest of Mr. Makarenko in North Marianas, you um, You know, there are a lot of pieces that appear to be in play that could be related. But uh, from our perspective, it's mostly a a distraction from trying to focus on Paul and Paul's needs and and getting Paul home.
0: All right. So we've talked quite a bit about the situation and how this all happened and, you know, what what, what's what's going on to some degree. Uh, So I'd like to hear from you for a little bit about what you would like the public and everyone to know One, about your brother, about the situation, and about what you want done.
1: Well, I think what I I would want people to know is that uh, Paul obviously has things in his past that he uh, uh, isn't or shouldn't be proud of, uh, but that also he has worked very very hard to reinvent himself multiple times. Uh, he had reached a point in his life where both middle aged, we're twins uh, in our late forties, where he'd he'd got the kind of lifestyle and the uh, the jobs uh, that he wanted. He was doing the sort of work he liked and doing the travel he enjoyed. And I think that uh, the 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 whole spy cast of, of, of Paul Whelan is, is uh, overshadowing the fact that he was just really someone who did work he liked and traveled a lot. Uh, and I think that that, that Paul is the, the Paul that we wish uh, people could see. Um from, an, from a next steps perspective, I think one of the, the concerns we have ongoing is that there seems to be a lack of information flow from the Russian government. Uh, so we, we, I've been asked a number of times about things that I just can't speak to because we don't have any idea. Um, Secretary Pompeo commented last week that uh, once they knew more about the charges, if they weren't appropriate, then Paul would be brought home. Uh, but I, I think that even at those levels, there doesn't seem to be the sort of information flow that you would expect. Uh, and th- there have been comments in the press that uh, the Russians would normally have uh, shown their evidence or discuss the case more. And that there's been radio silence in their part, too. So I think we would hope that whatever levers of government can be used uh, would uh, start that information flow so that we can all understand better why Paul's in the position he is.
0: Speaking of information flow, um, have you heard much from the State Department? How often are they in touch with you all?
1: Uh, regularly, uh, I, I would guess even daily. Paul has uh, three siblings, and so we've we've split the workload. Uh, I'm trying to raise his profile uh, and keep his story um, covered so that uh, you all can talk about um, his uh, detention. Uh, I've got a, a, a my sister is focused on uh, working with. Uh, contacting uh, Congress uh, people and senators. And uh, my other brother is dealing with the embassy. And so we are getting regular updates, um, uh, perhaps almost daily updates from people at the uh, um, embassy in, in Moscow on uh, either Paul's condition last week or since then on activities such as uh, um, consular access with the uh, the other embassies, which the Americans will coordinate, um, and other things like trying to get a power of attorney signed, get, trying to get the Privacy Act waiver signed, things like that.
0: Does he have any conditions or medical concerns that you are worried about at this point?
1: Not really. I think, uh, I mean, he's he's a, a late 40s uh, uh, fellow. He's, he's probably got um, ailments, none of which should really <laughs> cause him any uh, medical concern. Right.
0: Yeah, we all do at that age. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand. Um, if you were at this point to have an opportunity to speak with the Russian government, what would you say to them?
1: Uh, boy, that's
0: a tough one. Um, well, I mean, and I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but if you had a message you would like the Russian government to hear, and they will, I can guarantee you, hear this, uh, what would you like for them to hear? What, what would you like to say?
1: I think I would say that if Paul isn't a pawn in a political game, then there must be a, a, a much clearer reason for him to have been arrested. And I would hope them for them to, to look at that reason and either to explain it to us or accept that a mistake was made. And do the honorable thing and let him go like they would let anybody who was uh, charged, uh, mistakenly charged with a crime, uh, let him go and allow him to come home.
0: Are you and your family considering going there?
1: We are not. No, uh, we aren't sure about the resources required to defend Paul in a criminal court in, in Moscow, the cost of lawyers and things like that. Uh, and so we're marshalling whatever resources we have right now. Uh, to do the to, to do the work from the the United States to the extent we can, uh, until there comes a point where a visit might be uh, might have some value to uh, Paul's case.
0: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned you're 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 in the law business, and and I'm sure that is a very, very beneficial uh, thing to have right now. How's that help you? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I, I run uh, one of the biggest law libraries in, uh, in Ontario, so it, it, I've got access to stuff, which has been good. So it's meant that I've been able to get quick access to things like the, uh, the appellate decision in his uh, bad conduct discharge to research um, uh, the Russian criminal code and the, and the procedural code for uh, criminal courts in Russia. To the extent that it's been translated, uh, it, you know, it helps me to understand if, if people are talking about the Espionage Act, then I can help to, to translate some of that for my family where you know they might otherwise be at sea.
0: Now, for the rest of us, and uh, we, we will just uh, sort of conclude this in a couple of moments, for the rest of us, um, the he was traveling there with some friends and supposed to be a part of, of, of a wedding party, didn't make it to the wedding party. What happened with the rest of the folks that were there, that he was there with?
1: Uh as far as I understand, they're fine. Uh, we've been in, uh, some limited contact with them and, and the groom has been in contact with us embassy in Moscow. Um, and we've just been trying to be, be very careful with his, uh, information, uh, to try and not identify him for his privacy really. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as soon, I think at, once he's back in the States, we're hoping that he will speak up uh, and then either through uh, private channels or publicly validate that Paul was at this wedding uh, merely as a friend, merely as a tourist. And uh, the entire um, weaving of the, the, the spy persona is, uh, is, a, is a red herring.
0: Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important?
1: No, I think you've really covered, covered where we are. I think uh, until the information really starts to flow about what Paul's against, uh, we're, we're mostly hoping that the uh, four governments will keep an eye on Paul and that uh, hopefully behind the scenes things are happening that will help him to come home quickly.
0: Do you believe you're getting enough help from the government here so far?
1: Uh, yes uh, I, i'm uh, i try and focus on uh, uh, my professional expertise and i assume that other people are uh, using their professional expertise uh, and that includes the people in the government who are uh, engaged um, both at the on the legislative side and in, at the executive side where uh, agencies are are focused on Paul and and we have gotten confirmation or assurances from people like Ambassador Huntsman and so on uh, that people are engaged in Paul's uh, issue. So I have, I have faith that they are doing what they can. And uh, certainly we we are confident or comfortable with the uh, support we've had from the American embassy.
0: And absolutely. Finally, a message to your brother. What would you say to him right now? Uh,
1: I would tell him to stay strong and be patient. And uh, I mean, I know that he understands how serious this uh, issue is. Uh, and to uh, know that we care about him and that we'll bring him home as soon as we can.
0: David Whelan, thank you so much, we appreciate it. And um, we do, as as I've told you several times, uh, send our thoughts and prayers to you and your family for your brother being in this situation and your family in this situation, in this situation and we hope it resolves itself
1: uh, very soon. Thank you very much, JJ, I appreciate the time to be, be with you.
0: David Whelan talking with us about his brother Paul's case. We'll bring you all the details regarding it as they develop and in the process coming up on our next episode of Target USA. The Russians say Paul Whelan is an undercover spy for the U.S. But a woman who was a CIA covert agent says he's not spy material and what the Russians are up to is plain old revenge.
1: The Russians are in fact sticking their finger in our eye. They are very upset that um, Ms. Butina, the Russian national who has been indicted on charges of interference with the NRA and the election process and so forth and is being held in the United States, uh, they, they don't like that at all. So this may be their tit for tat. Valerie
0: Plain. A former CIA covert officer says this could be one of the biggest and most provocative developments since the crumbling of the Soviet Union and the so-called end of the Cold War.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a shot across the bow Um, because, again, if you're doing legitimate business in Moscow, in Russia, and you can just be pulled off the street um, as this guy was. Um, that'll shut that down right, right away. We really are entering in many ways, a a second cold war.
0: That's coming up on our next edition. As always, thank you sincerely for taking your time to listen to us. I really do appreciate your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you have an idea or some information you want to share with us about a possible story, reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter, at TUSA Podcast, That's Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. You can communicate with us directly and we can provide secure communications instructions for you. In the process, you can let us know what you think about what we're doing and how we're doing. You can reach out directly to me at jgreen at wtop.com That's the letter J, the color green, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com jgreen WTOP.com I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.